Good evening, everyone. So every one of us, we all have an image of ourselves. We have a way that we understand ourselves and inevitably pride for every one of us, where at least it's a little bit off. Some of us more than others. So I always see this in my, my two children, Father Sean and Father Vitold. Um, right? And it's been kind of fun to watch them. Like, Father Sean tends to, like, not think he's as good at certain things as he is. He's actually better than he thinks he is. Father Vitold thinks he might actually be a better priest than Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this about him, but he does. And every time we meet, I'm like, ugh. Not, you're not quite that close, but we can all have a distorted image of ourselves. All of us do. I certainly do. But what if you have a distorted image of God? And tonight, this is the main thing I want to bring you into, is that we're going to focus in on our second reading. And our second reading tonight is going to show us that in one way what uh, St. Paul's getting at here in Philippians 2 is that when Christ came, he restored to us what the true image of God is. So I'd encourage you, Philippians 2, specifically Philippians 2, 5 through 11, is one of the most beautiful sections of the entire New Testament. We heard it tonight in the second reading. It's something that I would encourage you to, that you should memorize. And it's, it's super powerful. I have it memorized. I have read it thousands of times. And this week, when I went back and was praying and thinking about it, it's amazing. It's one of those places in Scripture where it's like this fountain of beauty and truth. And it just keeps giving. Super powerful. So in a lot of places in Scripture, but this is certainly one of them, if you just scratch beneath the surface of what is being said, oftentimes who you'll find just beneath the surface is Adam. And just beneath the surface of tonight's first reading is Adam. Or I'm sorry, second reading. So have this mind, Paul says, right? Think like this, that you and I are called to think a certain way. And in Paul's writings, brothers and sisters, at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is how you think. If you've been coming to, if you came to the first Bible study on Romans, you're going to see this in the second one, that at the heart of how we live as human beings, and whether it's in a disordered way or in a Christian way, the very heart of it is how you think. And so Paul says, have this mind among yourselves. Think this way. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God. Now, we should right there, we hear that he's in the form of God. That's almost a parallel way of saying the image of God. Jesus is in the image of God, and Paul will say that in Colossians 1.15. In Colossians 1.15, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 
He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15. But who else is in the image of God? Adam and Eve are. In Genesis 1, 26, we're told that God speaks and he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And so tonight, what I want to show you, all of us in our life, what we need, we need images. We need models. We need an idea in our mind of what life is about and how we're supposed to live and who we're supposed to be. And in Scripture, there's two images of what it means to be a human being. And they're both right here in our second reading tonight. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now here's where we're going to bring tonight's uh, homily. Our, our commercial sponsor tonight is St. Augustine. And so most of what I want to share with you tonight comes from him. And Augustine thought very deeply about this passage, and he thought very deeply about what it means that you and I are made in the image of God, and that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and that Jesus is the true image of God the Father. Right? If you have a bad image of someone, your relationship changes with them. This happens all the time. It happened to me this week. Uh, there's, there's someone who I kind of had a, a bad image of. I thought that they were really kind of harsh and rigid and uptight. And I was disabused of that image, and it was really good. But when I thought they were that way, I was kind of keeping my distance from them. And if you have a false image of God, brothers and sisters, it will affect your relationship with Him. It absolutely will. And in some ways, what we could say is that the reason that the Son of God became man was to restore the true image of God to the world. So, St. Augustine, what he tells us, Augustine's always thinking about Adam and Eve. And I would argue that St. Paul is as well. But Augustine, in his confessions... One of the things that he tells us in other sermons and writings, he says that if you want to understand human beings, you have to understand that you want to be God. If you want to understand human beings, you have to understand that you want to be God. And the first temptation that humanity ever experienced when Adam and Eve were in the garden there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan turns to our first parents. If you read Genesis closely, it's not just Eve. Adam's there with her. When Eve takes of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it says that in Genesis 3, that she took some of its fruit and she gave it to her husband who was with her. The first temptation of humanity, Satan turns to us and he says, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, you will be what? You will be like God. 
If you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, you will be like God. And here's the thing. You might not think that you want to be like God, but you do. St. Augustine, this is, this is a deep sentence, so we're going to repeat it a couple times. St. Augustine says that every sin in humanity is a perverse imitation of a perfection in God. Every sin in humanity is a perverse imitation of a perfection in God. What does that mean? What it means is something that's good in God, something that's perfect in God. Whenever we sin, you and I want that thing, but we twist it. And so, for instance, the example that Augustine gives about this, if you're familiar with his, his autobiography, The Confessions, the example that he gives is he said, he talks about when he was a teenager and him and his friends stole a bunch of pears from an orchard. Remember when you were a rascal teenager and you did that? You were like, oh yeah, I want those pears, right? <laughs> Ancient world was maybe a little different. Some things were the same though. But Augustine and his friends, they went to an orchard and they stole a bunch of fruit. But they didn't eat it. They just threw the pears away. They had no desire to eat them. And Augustine reflects on that and he says, why do we do that? And as he prays and thinks back to his adolescence, he says, the reason I did that was because I wanted to feel powerful. Guess what, brothers and sisters? God is all-powerful. But in God... His perfection of power is never divorced from his truth. And so God never feels powerful by doing something wrong. And so Augustine says what my temptation was, was to imitate a perfection in God, but in a disordered way. Right? There, there's an old saying in the church that says, every man that ever went and tried to find a prostitute was actually looking for God. Just in the wrong way. So that's what God does for us. So Jesus today, and here's what I really want to break this open in Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, the perfect image of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. Adam and Eve, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, says this. You ever wonder, like, why was it a sin for them to want to have the knowledge of good and evil? The Catechism of the Catholic Church says their, their sin was not that they wanted to know the difference between good and evil. They knew the difference, otherwise it wouldn't be a sin. That what they wanted was not so much to know the difference, as they wanted to define for themselves what is good and what is evil. Notice in Genesis 3, Eve looks at the fruit and she sees it's, that it is good. In Genesis 1, God is the one who looks at things and says, it is good. And we all know in our own lives and in our society right now, one of our problems is we don't want to listen to God about what is good and what is evil. We want to tell him what we determine is good and what is evil. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Brothers and sisters, Adam and Eve wanted to be God. But Jesus didn't. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself. And so here's what this hymn is all about tonight. Remember, like last, I think it was last weekend, we had the gospel from Matthew 20. And it's the, the parable of the vineyard where everyone goes and works. And the head of the vineyard, the owner, calls him at the end of the day. And he calls the last people that came in. And he pays them first. And the first he pays last. And he pays them all the same amount. Remember this? This means yes. This means no. I know you remember. And the last line, Jesus says in that parable, he turns to his audience and he says, And thus, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The word of the Lord. And if you're anything like me, you're like, what in the H-E double hockey sticks does that mean? You just start, like, you just write your emails that way. See you Tuesday. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. What does that mean? That is not just a random saying of Christ. The last shall be first and the first shall be last is tonight's second reading. Jesus Christ is the first and he makes himself last. And being a Christian, brothers and sisters, means that you and I learn to have a purified image of God. And so the normal way to be human, this is what Adam and Eve thought, the normal way to be human is to look out for myself. The normal way to think that I'm going to find happiness, and I am so guilty of this, the normal way I think I'm going to find happiness is when my life looks great. It's when I reach the, the, the top of the priesthood, right? People say, oh my gosh, Father Brian, have you seen that beard? That is perfection right there. When we use our gifts, when we use our intelligence, our wealth, or our beauty to our own advantage, if you do that, you're not an evil person. You're just human. But you're not thinking as a Christian. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And what Jesus teaches us is that God, if you actually want to be like God, it looks a lot different than you think it does. People in our society think that God looks like the people in Hollywood. Father Garonsky would always say that. He, would, he was in California for years of his life, and he always talked about the gods of California. And so people have plastic surgery, and they, they always have to look perfect, and they have to have the perfect car and the perfect house. You know who God looks a lot more like? is someone like Mother Teresa. The person who becomes a slave to serve others. That's what God looks like. And there's nothing more beautiful 
There's nothing more beautiful than that. And a lot of us, I know, I know my image of God is still distorted. And I have to remind myself of that in prayer a lot. I have to remind myself, and Scripture helps, by the way. If you read Scripture a lot, it helps take away the false images of God. But I have to remind myself that God is not this cold, like, I don't know, statues like Ryan Reynolds or something. That's not who God is. God's the one whose love was so big that his love made him poor. His love brought him, and in Philippians 2, by the way, the most readings, it'll say he made himself a servant. That's because Americans don't like the word slave. The Greek word for servant is diakonos, and I remind our deacons that all the time, that they're my servants. But the word Paul uses is not diakonos, it's doulos, slave. Man wants to be God, and he thinks he's going to become God by taking the first place. But if you want to be like God, brothers and sisters, you will take the last place. Thus the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Lastly tonight, this is what humility means. Humility is one of those words we use a lot, but we don't oftentimes really know what it means. And it's kind of like, if you're like, if you're a beautiful woman and people are like, you're so beautiful, you're like, oh, no, I'm not. You know, people say that to me all the time, they're like, Father Brian, you're such a handsome guy. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually humble, it's the truth. But humility just means this. It means that you choose to serve. It means that the things that are yours and that are even rightfully yours, you don't cling to them. If people call, don't, won't call me father, sometimes they don't do that. It's right to call me father. I am a priest of Jesus Christ. But if people call me father, I'm not going to, or don't, I'm not going to demand it. Humility, and, and I really mean this is the last point. St. Thomas Aquinas says this, humility is not primarily your relationship to other people. Humility is primarily about your relationship to God. Do you pretend you are God? Do you imagine that you get to determine what is right and what is wrong? Or do you actually image God and take the last place? Jesus, help us to be humble. That we might truly be restored as images of you. Jesus, may the first be last and the last be first.